Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. If you or someone close to you is about to have a baby or anticipating a big life change, one of my favorite ways to prepare ahead in the meals department is to stock the freezer. Stocking the freezer with staple recipes will carry you through whatever busy period you might be going through. It not only saves time, but it also saves a ton of money on takeout or meal delivery kits. So in today's episode, I want to share how to freezer prep for a baby or any big life event. Does cooking feel like a struggle more often than you want to admit? Do school lunches get boring after the third week and even cereal for breakfast sometimes feels like too much effort? Let alone feeding yourself and your family meals with vegetables they'll actually eat? If you're a busy mama like me, you can probably relate. I'm Chris Dovniak and welcome to My Healthy Mama Kitchen. I'm a trained chef, culinary nutritionist, and mama of two, and I'm here to guide you in making healthy eating easy and accessible by simplifying your meal plan, demystifying meal prep, taking the stress out of weeknight dinners, and helping you learn to cook your family delicious, nutrient-dense meals along the way without spending hours in the kitchen or thousands of dollars a month at Whole Foods. In this podcast, I'm here to share my best tips, tools, and hacks for your real-life Healthy Mama kitchen with a side of humor and sometimes a little bit of spice. So grab your favorite apron and let's get cooking. All right, let's talk freezer prep. This has been one of my most highly requested episodes. Before we dive in, there is a printable PDF that goes along with this episode. So head to the show notes to download my freezer prep mini guide and a list of my favorite freezable recipes. In creating this episode, I dug way back into my archives for my original prep plan for when I had Ren, my youngest daughter. Man, it really only takes thinking back to how long ago you created something. So that was 2017 for me to realize how old you and your kids are actually getting. Goodness, I can't believe she's turning six in just about a month. I wish that I had saved my prep plan for my older daughter, Sage, who is turning 10. So it was over 10 years ago and I wasn't as good as saving everything digitally, but I can tell you I went through the exact same process with her and I've done it for many clients and friends since as well. Obviously, clients and friends are going to look a little different than cooking meals for myself, but the general concept is pretty much the same. Before I dive into the different ways that you can freezer prep, I want you to remember that this doesn't have to be all or nothing. If you can get even a few meals ready in your freezer to reheat, 
at any point during whatever big life change you're going through, it is a success. So whether or not you follow what I'm sharing with you to a T or you just double cook a couple times, we'll talk about what that is in a minute, and you have a couple meals in your freezer that you can pull out during an extra busy time, you've done really well. So let me talk about a couple different ways you can freezer prep. So this can be used If you are going to be having a baby or somebody close to you is going to be having a baby or you're going through some sort of big life change, maybe you're doing a house reno and you want to do a bunch of prep ahead to bring with you to maybe a temporary space that you're in or whatever crazy season you're in, you need a lot of extra support in your meal planning and your meal prep and you're not able to do it week to week, freezer prep can be really helpful. You can use this as a form of meal planning if you would like, or you can use it seasonally as you need it. So there's a couple different ways you can do this. The first way is to double cook. And the second way is to block out freezer prep batch meal days. So if you listen to my last episode where I talked about the different styles of meal prep, batch cooking is one of the ways that you can meal prep and you can batch cook specifically to freeze items and fill up your freezer. But that's not the only way that you can freezer prep. I think the assumption is that to freezer prep, you have to spend an entire day cooking and then freezing everything you cook. And you can do that, but you can split it up into smaller segments and you can also simply double cook in order to fill your freezer over time. With double cooking, you're going to double meals you're already making and freeze half. So rather than cooking the recipe that says it's for four people, you are going to double that recipe and cook it for eight people and freeze half of it. This is a great way to create a freezer stash over a period of months rather than taking the time to try and make it all happen in these really long and I know personally exhausting prep sessions. Maybe you add on to it with a smaller prep session towards the end of your pregnancy if you're doing this for baby, for things like breakfast items and snacks. You can always do a combination of double cooking and a little bit of batch prep as well, but double cooking is one of the simplest ways that you can build up your freezer stash without creating these extra long prep days. If you prefer the block batch cooking method, You're going to block out a few hours whenever you have the time before baby, if you're doing this before baby, to cook and fill your freezer. Again, you can do this in a couple of shorter sessions, say three hours, or you can do this in one or two longer sessions, like six to eight hours. That's not usually my preference. That is what I do as a personal chef, but it takes a long time, especially when you're pregnant or you're a busy mom and doing this for someone else. That can be a lot. So I want to encourage you that this doesn't have to look like that. It can, but it doesn't have to. I also want to share a potentially controversial opinion right now uh, because I know that there are some seriously popular websites that promote a certain method of freezer prep, and that is to put a bunch of raw ingredients, including raw meat, into baggies, closing them up, freezing them, and popping them into the slow cooker or the instant pot. Now, this method is totally fine, but you cannot put raw frozen meat into the slow cooker. Please, I beg of you, do not do that. (laughs) You can put them in the instant pot because it cooks it at a high pressure for a short period of time. But if you put raw frozen meat 
in the slow cooker, it's going to be at that danger zone for too long and you are at super, super high risk of foodborne illness. So I think some people are confused by those methods and they just throw that frozen meat right into the slow cooker. You have to defrost it ahead of time. So you can use that method, but make sure you're defrosting it ahead of time. So that being said, There are different ways you can do this. You can cook everything ahead of time, or you can simply prep everything ahead of time, put them into bags or containers, and put them in your freezer. Whichever way works is up to you, but you have to remember that some methods are going to allow you to cook directly from frozen, and some of them you are going to have to remember to defrost before you cook them. So consider that before you decide both the method that you're going to meal prep and what meals you're going to prep. So let's dive in to my four steps to freezer prep. Number one, you need to plan your meals. It can be helpful to anticipate what type of meals you might enjoy based on the season or your life season. For instance, when I first had my older daughter, Sage, the only thing I wanted to eat afterwards was soup and or bone broth and sourdough bread with butter. That was what my body was craving. And I thought it was so interesting because we know that soups and bone broth are so packed with minerals. And that's what your body needs after giving birth. And that's all I craved. And I had prepped a couple of soups, but I prepped a lot more casserole type foods. And it was the wintertime. She was born on November 14th. And we were in Canada, so it was cold. She was born in a snowstorm. So I really wanted soup. So my husband ended up going out and getting us a lot of soups from Whole Foods, which was fine. I mean, the soups at Whole Foods are delicious, but it wasn't as cost effective. We did end up eating everything I had prepped, but I had wished that I had prepped more of those soups and chilies, those comfort foods that I knew I was going to want to eat. And that's what we did end up doing with my second daughter. So live and learn. But what season is it for you? Is it the middle of the summer? You might not want to be eating chili in the middle of the summer, but if it's the fall or the winter time, that might work out really well. It's also helpful to consider what meals you want to prep for. If you're the primary person who makes dinner in your house and you're not going to be able to make dinner because you are busy feeding someone else dinner 12 times a day, then you are going to need to figure out a solution for dinner. If you're not sure you're going to be able to put yourself together a breakfast and you want maybe your partner to get you breakfast during a feeding session, something like that in the morning, obviously I'm referring to the baby situation and I will a lot through this episode, but just know that this can apply to any sort of big life event that's happening. You might want snacks prepped ahead. Consider what you want to prep ahead, and then you can start developing your freezer prep plan from there. It's also really important to note how many meals you want to have stashed. This is going to depend on how much room you have. It might be advantageous to take a month and work on cleaning out your freezer before you start doubling meals or start doing those long prep sessions. So at that point, once you have an idea of what types of meals you want to enjoy, maybe what you might be craving based on the season, how many meals you want to have stashed and what type of meals you want to have stashed, now it's time to do a little simple kitchen math. If you figure you might have meals delivered in, say, the first couple of weeks after having baby, maybe somebody's going to do a meal train for you, and maybe you're willing to order takeout or do a meal kit three times a week, that's four days a week you'll want meals for. So let's say you want to be covered for the first six weeks. So that's six weeks minus those first two weeks. So that's four weeks you want to be covered for. Four meals a week is 16 meals. 16 meals might feel like a lot, especially a lot to do in one day. But let's break it down. If you're double cooking just twice a week, that's eight weeks of double cooking. 
So if you work backwards from when you want to be done prepping, I recommend like three or four weeks before baby because not only can baby come early, but trust when I say you do not want to be cooking extra in those last four weeks. I was still teaching cooking classes and personal chefing up until 36 weeks, and my older daughter was born at 37 weeks, and it was a little bit miserable. So just trust me when I say you want to be done like three or four weeks before baby is due or earlier, depending on what you can do and what point you're at now. So let's say you're going to stop prepping at 36 weeks or earlier, just we're using this as an example. That means you want to start double prepping around 28 weeks or eight weeks prior to your big life event. When it comes to batch cooking, if you want to block out periods of time to batch cook, I typically estimate about a half an hour per meal when you are really when you're being efficient with your prep and you are prepping in between cooking time. I'll talk about that in a little bit. This is part of what I talk about in Healthy Mama Meal Prep. If you want to do, say, a three-hour session, you can expect to get about six meals done. Now, you could get more than that done, but I want you to set the bar pretty low so you're not expecting yourself to get more done than you actually have time to do. So if you consider six meals in three hours, that's two three-hour sessions and a shorter two-hour session, or maybe you add on to the third session with extras like that breakfast, those snacks, things like that. And you want to start as early as makes sense for you. So this is what I did with my older daughter, and I spread mine out over six weeks. So that's one day every other week. I did more of the doubling up with my younger daughter, especially because we already had a kiddo. I had to do school drop-off. I was also working. I had a lot more going on rather than when I had my older daughter. She was the first baby. It was just me and my husband. And I was I was personal chefing, but I was doing that a lot more. I'd already cut down my schedule quite a bit at that point. So whatever makes sense to you, you're going to divide that up. You're going to figure out how many meals you want. You're going to figure out how many sessions you want to do. Or if you want to double cook, figure out when you need to start. Also consider any extras you want to prep. Maybe you want to prep some bone broth. Maybe you want to prep energy balls or lactation cookies, granola, energy bars, egg cups, freezer bags for smoothies, muffins, things like that. Snacks are so key, especially if you're nursing. I was ravenous when I was nursing. And breakfast is so important too. No matter how you feed, you need energy to care for a baby, especially if you have other kids as well. So this is where an extra short prep session can come in whatever way that you are prepping. Maybe it's one extra hour twice in your batch cooking, or it's two hours once, or you add a little bit on to each one of your weekly meal preps so you can create a stash in that way. Healthy Mama Meal Prep is a great resource for learning how to prep in a short amount of time, but be really efficient with it. So if you haven't joined us, use code podcast for 10% off. There's over 150 recipes in there too, a lot of them that are very, very freezer friendly. Remember, there are no rules when it comes to how you do this prep. You can do it whatever way you want to, but it's important to plan ahead so that it actually works in your timeline. So do those two or three or four hour sessions, or you can double up as you go. I have a chart that you can fill out in the printable that goes along with this episode. So head to the show notes, download that. That will give you both an example of how I would do it now, how I did it in the past when I was pregnant with Ren, and how and you can kind of fill in how many weeks ahead, 
how many sessions you want to do and what you're going to prep in each session or what you're going to double cook each week. So you need to decide which method makes sense for you, what works for your schedule, whenever your due date is or the date of the big life change, and what are your energy levels? What do you feel like you can get done and do what works for you? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I do want to make a note that when it comes to choosing meals for a batch session, it can be really, really helpful to choose meals with similar ingredients to reduce cost and cooking time. So rather than one recipe that has sweet potatoes, you can choose three recipes that have sweet potatoes. Buy a whole bag of sweet potatoes. This is going to be less expensive to buy a bag of sweet potatoes than three different vegetables. And when you're prepping, you can prep all of those items at once and then move on to the next. This does not mean that every meal you choose has to have the same flavor profile. This is going to get so boring if you have all meals that are, say, Mexican themed or whatever it might be for an entire month but you can use similar ingredients in different ways. For instance, my Tex-Mex turkey sweet potato taco pie, longest name, most delicious recipe. It has sweet potatoes in it. So does my sweet potato kale and beef stew. And so do my curried turkey meatballs. All three of those are very different, but they contain some similar ingredients. So choose meals with similar ingredients. This will help you to reduce cost and cooking time. They don't all have to be the same. Definitely look for a variety in the meals that you're choosing and consider what meals are easier to double if you are choosing the doubling method. So something like a soup or a stew or a chili or a casserole is going to be much easier to double than something like a bowl recipe. They're also easier to freeze and I'll talk about some meals that are easier to freeze in just a minute. Number two, consider serving sizes, containers, and how you're planning on reheating. This also includes, like I said before, whether or not you are going to defrost and cook or whether you want to reheat directly from frozen or cook directly from frozen, I should say. So what containers you use, whether you use glass or plastic or silicone and the size are going to be based on how you plan on reheating. So if you're reheating from frozen or you're reheating from defrosted. Something like glass works well to freeze things in. Well, you have to be careful about liquids in glass. You need to leave enough room at the top of the glass so it doesn't crack. But you can freeze in glass, but you don't want to go directly from the freezer to the oven with glass because the glass could crack. So consider this first. And we'll talk about containers in a little bit. So consider serving sizes. Consider how many people are going to be eating these meals. Do you have family coming into town so you want to have a couple meals for more people or is it just you and your partner? Obviously baby isn't going to be eating those meals quite yet. So consider how many servings you want to package up together. That's going to determine containers and how you are going to reheat as well. So consider these as you're planning your meals and then it's time to plan your prep. If you're doubling recipes, this is going to be simply planning how many recipes each week 
you're going to double and which recipes you are going to double and what containers you're going to use, serving sizes, what I just said. If you are going to block out some time and do batch cooking sessions, just like with any meal prep, you want to start by cooking the longest item first. So you're going to write down whatever item is going to take the longest to cook first. You're going to do all that mise en place. And don't forget to double up any ingredients that'll be used in other meals like the sweet potato example. You're going to section out each one of your meals mise en place and start cooking, starting with the longest item and moving forward from there. Like I said, I like to calculate being realistically able to prep about one meal every half an hour. That's overlapping your prep, overlapping your mise en place for the other meals. Wow. So one meal is cooking. You're doing your mise en place for another meal. And remember, if you need onions in two recipes, you're not going to do one onion now, one onion later. You're going to do both the onions now, divide them up into your different sections. So if you're doing six meals, you want six different sections on your counter with everything you need in those meals. And then you can kind of go through, start cooking one item while that's cooking, you prep for the next item. And by the end, you're not going to have a whole lot of prep to do for the last item that you're cooking. Remember to use all of the tools you have, because if you have a slow cooker, you can get something on in the morning, get it in the slow cooker, it'll be done by the end of your prep session, or at least close to the end of your prep session. If you have an Instant Pot, use the Instant Pot. If you have more than one pot to put on the stove, use pots to put on the stove. If you're going to do casseroles, use your oven. You usually have more than one rack in the oven to be able to use as well. So consider using as many tools as you have. If you have an Instant Pot, it can be really helpful to purchase an extra inner bowl for the Instant Pot too, or inner pot, I should say, for the Instant Pot. They run about $40 and you can take something directly out of the Instant Pot once it's done, let it cool, and put the new inner pot into the Instant Pot and cook something else in it right after rather than having to wait for it to cool down and wash it out. So that can be really helpful. It's well worth the $40 if you are planning on batch cooking more than just once or twice. Remember, you can also double recipes during this prep time too. You don't necessarily have to prep six different meals. You could prep three meals and double the amount of food. It's up to you and how much variety you want. Just I want to caution you to not get too overambitious, buy a bunch of ingredients ahead of time that you might not be able to use. Definitely consider how much you can get, what you think you can get done in that time. And then you can kind of figure out how long it took you to prep however many meals, let's say six. And then the next time you go and do another batch prep, you can consider, okay, I probably had a little bit more time. Maybe I'll add in one more meal or I only got through four. Maybe. I will only plan on four. And I'm talking about full dinners here. If you are planning on doing, say, three full dinners and two breakfasts and a snack, I would still consider that half an hour per recipe time, but you might be able to get a little bit more done. So if there are non-perishable ingredients for, say, a granola or energy balls that you can keep on hand, if you do have extra time that you've blocked out, then you can fill in that time with something with ingredients that aren't going to go bad if you don't do everything that day. I also want to mention when I am talking about cooking a full meal, every meal has a different amount of servings. So if you are planning on packaging into two portions and that's all you're going to be pulling out from the freezer, then you are already prepping more than if you're prepping, say, six meals and they serve four and you're planning on just cooking that up once. Maybe you eat them for leftovers. 
So consider that too. If you're prepping six meals, but there are two dinners from that instead of one, then you're actually prepping 12 meals. So consider that as well. That's why it's important to know not just what you're prepping, but how many servings you want to portion them into as well. Step number four, you're going to start prepping. If you are double cooking, then you are going to start with your schedule and you are going to double cook however many times a week you've planned out. If you are going to do a batch cooking day, I already shared with you how you're going to do this. You're going to start with the longest item first. You're going to do all your mise en place for that, doubling up any ingredients you need to. You're going to section everything out, cook one, move on to the next, do your prep in between. I want to give you a couple tips, though, for that prep day and or if you are going to be continuously doubling up recipes over the next several weeks. Number one, have all the supplies you need ahead of time and close at hand. So whatever containers you're going to use, foil pans if you're going to use those, plastic wrap, aluminum foil, freezer bags, Sharpies, make sure you have all of those ready to go in one spot. So if you are doubling up, as soon as you double a recipe, you can let it cool and put it directly into whatever container you're going to use, write down the date, what it is, the instructions, so you are continuously filling your freezer in that way. If you are planning on freezing raw ingredients, use an assembly line style. So instead of starting by cooking the item that's going to take the longest first, if you're not doing any cooking, you are going to do all your mise en place in the exact same way I mentioned. If you need two onions, you're going to prep two onions and divide them up into two different sections. So section off all of your ingredients. This is why little bowls are really helpful when you're doing meal prep and then package them up into the bags or the containers you're going to use. Consider how you're going to reheat these when you do put them into containers. So obviously, if it is a raw ingredient, it needs to be defrosted before putting it in the slow cooker. So something like a bag might work really well for this, either a silicone bag. I'll link to some that are really great on Amazon. I love stasher bags, but they're pretty expensive. You can get less expensive ones that work really well on Amazon. You can actually get hooks to hold the bag open for you too, so you can add all the ingredients to it without it spilling out all over the place. If you're cooking in an instant pot, you might want it in a smaller container. You don't want it necessarily flat in a baggie because if you do this, then it might not fit in the instant pot. It might be harder to cook it. So you might want a smaller, maybe round Pyrex type container. Remember, whenever you freeze in glass, you need to leave two inches at the top if there's any liquid in there, which the vast majority of your meals will have some sort of liquid in them because liquid expands when it freezes and glass can crack. So just be careful. Make sure you are cooling everything completely, fully before putting it in the freezer. Okay, cool it on the counter for an hour or so. You can put it in the fridge if you're worried about it before you freeze it the next day. Don't leave it in the fridge for like three days and then freeze it. Make sure you're freezing it as soon as possible, but make sure everything is fully cooled before putting it in the freezer. If it's not, this can not only warm other items in your freezer, putting the item that you have put in there and other items in the danger zone. It can also create freezer burn. And we know that freezer burn creates like a really not appealing flavor 
to food. So you want to avoid freezer burn. In that vein, you want to make sure that you are freezing things with as little air as possible. So squeeze out as much air as possible. If you're going to be doing a ton of freezer prep, this is your meal planning style, then it can be really helpful to get a vacuum sealer so that you are freezing everything in vacuum seal bags. This is going to keep it the absolute best. But I know not everyone can afford and or wants to buy an extra appliance. So just make sure that you are getting as much air out of the container as possible. I'm not talking about whenever you're freezing something liquid in glass. You definitely want to leave space at the top of that. But if you're freezing in bags, try and get as little air out as possible. Fill it up to the top without overfilling it. And I really like to freeze flat. So any sort of bags, you can freeze them flat on a sheet pan in the freezer and then stack them. I said this before, but it bears repeating again. Label, 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 label. Label the ingredients, the meal, and how to reheat every single meal that you put in the freezer. If you are putting raw ingredients in the freezer, it can be really helpful to put a big defrost first on that as well. So whoever is cooking it knows it needs to be defrosted before you put it in the slow cooker. It's also important to note that you want to make sure you are using these foods within three to six months. So put a date on it as well so you know when you froze it. And you do not want to reheat food that has been defrosted. It's not safe. So make sure you're putting dates on it so you know when you put it in the freezer and whether or not you're going to defrost it. If you do defrost it, make sure you cook it right away. It can also be really helpful to keep an inventory list with the dates you put things in on your freezer as well. And there is an inventory list, a freezer inventory list in the PDF that I'm sharing with you. So again, show notes, download that PDF. And uh, so having an inventory list on your freezer and you can just cross things off when you use them can help you to know not only what you have, but what you don't have anymore. So you don't want to plan on something that you've already eaten. You also want to make sure you're eating the oldest items first, not just because you want to use it within three to six months, but this will also help to prevent freezer burn. Items that have been in the freezer longer are more prone to freezer burn than items that have been in for a shorter amount of time. So let's talk about what you can and can't freeze. When you are choosing meals, you want to choose meals that freeze and reheat well. So soups, stews, chilies, casseroles. For the most part, you want to avoid super dairy-based dishes, so things like fettuccine alfredo or really starch-heavy entrees, so things with a lot of potatoes or rice or pasta. There are some things that do freeze well, like macaroni and cheese or lasagna, but just take note that the texture might change a little bit with the dairy and with starches. Vegetables and fruit that have a super high water content, unless it's in another dish, so things like raw celery, cucumber, watermelon, do not freeze well either. Um, so you don't want to freeze like a Greek salad. You can, however, freeze my Greek marinated chicken. You can freeze pretty much anything in a marinade. Again, you want to defrost that before you cook it. But you can marinate chicken, freeze it, and then pull it out and pop it into the oven or on the grill. And you can make up a really quick five-minute Greek salad and make my Greek chicken wraps. That'll come together really fast. So there's an option for you as well. If you are planning on adding something like noodles to a chicken noodle soup, then I recommend adding these after or just going without the noodle version for your freezer meals. 
You also want to avoid anything that you're hoping to maintain a crunchy texture. So like homemade chicken fingers, they're not going to hold up as well. When you buy them in the store, they're flash frozen and you likely do not have a flash freezer in your home kitchen. So some of my favorite freezer meals, all of these are linked in the guide, are my comfy chicken soup. I omit the noodles before freezing. My Tex-Mex sweet potato turkey taco pie I mentioned. Quinoa fajita bake. My beef and farro soup. Farro is pretty hearty, so it does hold up pretty well in the freezer. Five ingredient meatballs. You can also freeze them with sauce separately. Sauce freezes really well. Speaking of that, my veggie meat sauce freezes really well. Slow cooker sweet potato kale and beef stew. I do like to add the kale at the end rather than make it all and freeze it. So make it with the carrot, celery, onion, sweet potatoes, beef, seasonings, and then add the kale at the end while it's cooking in the slow cooker. My beef and butternut chili, turkey chickpea chili, white chicken chili, or slow cooker lentil soup, green chili chicken enchiladas, Moroccan chickpea stew, my veggie packed meatloaf muffins or taco meatloaf muffins. When it comes to breakfast items, my cookie dough energy bars freeze really well, banana chocolate chip muffins, lemon blueberry snack bars, baked oatmeal cups, energy balls, smoothie bags, egg cups freeze pretty well. The texture does change a little bit. I'm fine with it, but test it out before you freeze like 30 of them. And freezer breakfast sandwiches are also a favorite. The one I have has bacon and basically a veggie frittata on it. So you get a little bit of veggies, you get some cheese, you get some bacon. They're really tasty. So those are some of my favorites, but there's an infinite amount of recipes online that are freezer friendly. So do your research and create your plan based on what sounds good to you. And just make sure that you have a wide variety of different meals. So you're not eating what feels like the same thing over and over again. Okay, let's talk equipment and containers. You truly do not need any special equipment other than containers, Sharpies, bags, and you can do labels if you're not doing bags as well, so you're not Sharpieing on your like really nice glass containers. Like I said, you can buy bag stands to fill bags, which can be really helpful, but it's not really necessary. If you have someone else in the house who will hold a bag for you, then you're set. When it comes to containers, remember how you're going to reheat is going to make a difference here. For soups, I like plastic freezer containers or deli containers because they're heat safe. They're easy to defrost in. I like these better than mason jars, like I mentioned, which can break. I like to do as little plastic as possible. But in this case, I do. I've had way too many mason jars break on me. I do like to use those in the freezer or the plastic containers in the freezer. Again, make sure to leave that two inches of room at the top if you do want to use mason jars. I love stasher bags or other silicone bags for things like energy balls, bars, muffins, egg cups. They also work really well for slow cooker ingredients. Remember, you've got to defrost them first if you're going to do a raw slow cooker recipe. You can freeze liquids in those too. And like I said, I have there's a less expensive option on Amazon. I don't remember the brand, but I will share it with you that you can use as well. Or just use Ziploc bags. Make sure you use the freezer variety of bags. It's whatever works for you. And just make sure you are cooling your items down before you put them in the bags, unless you're adding raw ingredients and freeze flat on sheet pans for the best results, because then you can stack them. Another great option are super cubes. They are a super, see what they did there? Great invention. They're made of silicone. They have different sizes for different portions. I think they come up to like four or six portions 
or you can do like individual portions or two portions. They even have small ones. You can put things like pesto and tomato paste in. So like I said, they're made of silicone, which is awesome. Things pop out really well. So you freeze them into little cubes in the super cubes. They're kind of like ice cube trays. And then you can add them to Ziploc bags from there. But the nice thing is that they're in different portion sizes, so you can take it out and defrost it from there. Remember, there's only three safe ways to defrost food in the fridge, in cold water, or in the microwave. The only downside to super cubes is they are a little expensive, but if you are going to be doing a lot of freezer prep or you're someone who likes to freeze leftovers, they're a really great investment. If you're making casseroles, You can use glass, but remember you want that to be in the fridge defrosted before you reheat it because the glass can crack. You can also use aluminum containers. Now, here's my caveat with this. I do use these, but I do recommend tightly covering them in plastic wrap. You are going to need to remove this before you cook it, but you can cook it directly in the oven in that container. So wrap it tightly in plastic wrap, cover it in foil. When you're going to cook it, Pop it out of the freezer, take off the plastic wrap, and then add the foil on top. If you don't have plastic wrap, you can just use the foil, but I recommend using that as one of the first things you cook because you're just kind of asking for freezer burn. It can be helpful to spray the underside of the plastic wrap or the foil to prevent any sticking. It can actually always be helpful to spray the inside of the foil if you are covering something with foil before cooking it, especially if there's a layer of cheese on top to avoid sticking as well. And when I say spray, avocado oil spray, coconut oil spray, something like that. You can use the ones that have foil lids. Again, I recommend spraying the inside of it, but they are, again, more more prone to freezer burn. So use those first. So we talked about different ways that you can freezer prep. The four steps to freezer prep. Plan your meals. Consider serving sizes. Plan your prep and start prepping. We talked about containers and preventing freezer burn, what you can and can't freeze, some of my favorite freezer meals. Now go download that PDF attached to this episode with the prep plan, with my favorite recipes, and a bunch of the tips that I mentioned today and links to the containers I mentioned as well. If you found this helpful, please be sure to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you are on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Audacity or iHeart, wherever you are, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. I hope you found this helpful. Congratulations if you are about to have a baby or going through an exciting life change and you're going to start freezer prepping. Next week, we are going to dive into another highly requested episode of the Healthy Mama Grocery Guide series. We're talking Costco. Until next time, happy cooking. Thank you for listening to Mommy's podcast. Friend, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Healthy Mama Kitchen podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you love to listen to podcasts so you never miss a cooking tip. If you've been loving this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It truly makes a difference in how many other busy cooks find this show and lets me know what you're loving and want to hear more of. For show notes and links to all the recipes and tools I mentioned, head to HealthyMamaChris.com podcast. For daily eats, cooking tips, and family-friendly shortcut dinner ideas, be sure to follow along over on Instagram at HealthyMamaChris. Remember, cooking for your family may not always feel easy, but it can be simple.